He's a retired police officer. Part of his job was overseeing complex investigations. He and his team were called upon to investigate the murder of a police chief in a neighboring state in a nearby jurisdiction. He's here to talk about that and how it's led to his new career. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. Connecting from Washington State, we have Doug Kaczynski on the phone. Doug is a retired Longview Police Department sergeant, did 24 years in law enforcement. He now works for Vector Solutions, providing training for law enforcement officers, firefighters, other public safety first responders. Their website, VectorSolutions.com. Doug, thanks so much for your service, number one, and thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the invite. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. Well, we're going to talk about one incident in your career, and then we'll see what else happens. Because we had Alan Painter on this show, Season 3, Episode 55 of the podcast, which is free. In case you missed it, you want to reference it. It's about the murder of his brother, Police Chief Ralph Painter. And I believe that was in Oregon. And your department wound up, Doug, if I'm correct, wound up crossing state line and getting involved in that investigation. Am I correct? Yep, that's correct. I was there uh, on scene. We was part of the, our team that responded across the river from our patrol team. So even though it was really, really close, it was a different state. And people need to realize, and I say this all the time, they'll say, well, what do you think about this traffic stop in Texas? I'm going, I was a cop in Maryland. Laws are different in Texas. <laughs> what do I know about Texas? And I'm sure laws are different in Oregon than they are in Washington State as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of my growing up, I guess. was I, I didn't take it seriously, and it didn't even occur to me until all of a sudden I'm in Oregon. I'm in the middle of this incident, and I'm realizing, oh, my God, what do I do now? I'm in another state. And that's really what I prompted me to really change my ways, but yeah, absolutely, it's a different state. We, you know, we have limited, you know, commission things that we can do, and uh, it wasn't until I was in the middle of a major incident that I, it occurred to me that I should probably think about that ahead of time. And when it comes to major incidents, the, the 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 murder of a police officer doesn't get much higher than that. And when you're talking about the murder of a police chief. While they may sound even more extreme, it, it really isn't. I'm not, I'm not saying to be negative. He was handling a call because he was backing up someone that wasn't available as a small agency. And it should never have happened. But murders are, are horrible crimes to get involved with. And you and I both know the procedures. For those who don't know, if you once you determine that the victim is passed, there's nothing you can do for them. It's about securing a crime scene and then making the notifications mm-hmm. and making sure homicide or whoever's there uh, protect evidence because the investigation goes from the scene of the crime outwards, wherever the evidence leads. And that's magnified tenfold when you have the spotlight and the news and the PR involved in the murder of a police officer who happens to be chief of police as well. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you just think, uh, you know, you know, Chief Painter, you know, he was the leader, right? He was the man in Rainier, Oregon. And, uh, you know, he, but he was a working cop, right? And he was responding to a call. And unfortunately, he was, uh, we were dealing with a, 
uh, mentally disturbed person who overtook the chief and was able to disarm him. And, you know, the most terrible thing happened. And, but you're right. It's just exacerbated with the fact that here we are. It's, it's not the police chief. It's not a police chief. It's the police chief for Rainier. Right. And he was universally appreciated and respected and loved in that community and in the surrounding community in both states, Oregon and Washington. He was well known on both sides of the river. And to have something like that happen was just seems you know, unfathomable until it happens. And even in my mind, it was like, that that's not going to happen until it happened. Right. I, I, I was lucky, Doug, in my entire career, I never made it to the scene of, of an officer being killed. We had some that were shot, some that were injured. I did have a good friend who used to work for me when I was a sergeant. I transferred a couple months later, he was shot and killed. And to this day, it still bothers me. I was not on scene. And I'll be honest with you, Doug, I'm glad. And I thank God I'd never had to be on scene for one of those calls. I mean, still to this day, when I cross the river, if I have to go into Oregon for something and, and we, you know, we, you can't not drive right past the location. You know, I think about that. I think about, uh, when you see the signs, the, the roadside memorials, um, and, you know, just to honor, you know, his memory, you know, I think about that, you know, it's coming up on 12 years. We just passed 12 year marks. It's January 5th, 2011. And I still think about it, and I, I got to the point where I had to not had to stop going to you know some events just because you know you just start to rehash it over and over again. Uh, but every time I cross over, it, we're literally across the Columbia River from one another. And if I go into Oregon, you drive right past the, and it's like I'm replaying my route every time, and uh, it, it sticks with you. It absolutely sticks with you, particularly in a situation again like that where you're so involved. Um, but I just try to take that incident and those experiences and that's what drove me to be better. Right. And and then when I got into the new position in training, that's what really was, was the incident that drove me to be better, to make our officers better. So, but yeah, absolutely. It just sticks with you for forever. And, and, And these things, the big deals, they're the icebergs. You can see them. You may not see everything below the surface, but you see them coming. For me and a lot of people I've had on the Law Enforcement Today show, whether it be police, military, uh, firefighters, other first responders, victims of crime, their spouses or survivors, it's the daily grind, especially with police. It's the daily grind is the one just wears on you. And I, I say this all the time. I have things that pop in my memory that are unwanted at the least appropriate times. And I don't know why. Generally, there's things I look for, red flags to speak of, but I avoid certain places. And I know psychologists don't like the term, but I'm telling you right now, I, I avoid certain places, certain things, because I'm not going there. I know what happens to me, and I don't want to be there. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to live in that moment, right, all the time, right? I mean, I there's just certain people will say a certain phrase or there's a just a certain you know look of a situation or a way a car certain you know turns a certain way that makes me think of those steps beforehand and kind of put you back in those and right so you just you I don't want to say I think about it constantly but you get reminded of list little things this little that you're not even consciously picking up on right you just little words and phrases or the way you drive down a street or the way the sun's hitting a certain sign as you're it just flashes you back 
And uh, I just put it, you just try to put it in perspective and you try to think, okay, you know, what, it's out of this terrible tragedy, you know, what are, what are some of the lessons learned? What are, what are things, what can we do better? Um, and that's trying to, what I, that's where I try to, when my mind goes to that incident is to then gender, try to redirect it back to what can we learn from it? Well, I, I believe it's, uh, it, and turning my, my decision-making back to something I have some control over. And that seems to help me a lot. We're talking with Doug Kaczynski. <laughs> He is retired police sergeant, uh, 24 years in Longview Police Department. When we return, we're going to talk about he and his team responding to the murder of police chief Ralph Painter and the impact on him, his observations, his story, and more. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. you're on the clubhouse drop-in audio chat app be sure to look for me and follow me my name's john the letter j wiley w-i-l-e-y you can also search for at l-e-t radio show that's john j wiley w-i-l-e-y at l-e-t radio show on the clubhouse drop-in audio chat app I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing. Test, don't guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's BioUnique Boutique program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to harmonywithfood.com and click on the testing tab. This is a law enforcement today show return a conversation with Doug Kaczynski. He is retired Longview Police Sergeant, 24 years on the job. He is now involved with Vector Solutions training law enforcement, firefighters, other public safety first responders. Our website is vectorsolutions.com. You had the very unpleasant task of, of going from Washington State to Oregon to nearby jurisdiction to investigate and oversee part of the investigation involving the murder of police chief Ralph Painter. And by the way, for those who have not heard it, his brother, Alan Painter, was a guest on his show. You can hear the free podcast, season three, episode 55, about this. And although the outcome of these things is not in the... the not within the the wheelhouse of our police, his killer was giving up a plea deal, which blows my mind. So let's take go back to that day. He said it was about twelve years ago. And how did you guys get involved in something in another state of this magnitude? So just to you know, paint the picture a little bit, Longview, Washington is directly across the Columbia River from Rainier, Oregon. So while we are you know, literally neighbors. It's not that we communicate a lot, you know, back and forth because we're in two different states, two different frequencies, unless someone's running from one side of the bridge to the other. So on that particular day, I remember it was a beautiful, bright, sunny January day, and I was the OIC. I was an officer, but I was officer in charge for the day shift and I was, we were roadsiding with one of my one of my officers, and we were just talking when dispatch came on the radio and said, 
I don't know what's going on, but Rainier Dispatch is calling for all kinds of help. They can't get a hold of the chief. And as we start heading over there, that's when we get the word that we think she's been disarmed. There's an armed subject in this. It was like a radio, like a car audio shop. And so then, you know, we just start going, you know, code three as fast as we can. You know, you get that call of officer down or officer possibly down that can't raise them on the radio. And I remember going across the bridge. And as you're going across the bridge, just looking over to the left, you see the the shopping center, right? It's right on the river, right as you're coming into Oregon. And you can see where you're heading. And so we, we hurry up, we get on scene. And now there's additional law enforcement that are responding that had just gotten there. This was from a neighboring city in Clatskanie, Oregon, just down the road. And it occurs to me that I can't talk to this officer. They're not on our frequency. Our, our radios weren't connected at that time. And so... I remember the first time I'm, I basically, and he is so hyper-focused, understandably so, on the situation in front of him. And because the subject is in the doorway, he's yelling and screaming. But I remember tapping, you know, smacking him on the back and letting him know, hey, we are here, you know, just, just be advised because I couldn't talk to him on the radio. Right. And unfortunately, as the subject's moving around, you know, those officers are responding to what they're seeing, but we're not, we can't communicate. And so I'm not only are, is my team reacting to what the subject's doing, but also to what these other officers are doing that we can't talk to. And ultimately we moved up, uh, as officers were moving in, we could see that the subject had, had art. He still had the gun in his hand. He was hiding in a car. The officers who were moving in could not see that. And we ended up, a couple of us ended up engaging through the window of the shop and, and actually instruct the subject and we were able to give him the custody um, that's where we found chief painter uh, down on the ground a couple points that really stand out and i ran to this to doug that you know, in baltimore city we couldn't communicate with baltimore county or state police or anne arundel county they had different frequencies we're the same state but procurement and budgets and all that were different uh, and post september uh, 11th a lot of that supposedly changed. However, when you have different states, you've got totally different budgets, different procurement, and uh, are, are the officers now able to communicate together, or is that still not in the the, the, the cards for you all? It, we can communicate. And what I found out later was actually there was a way for us to communicate, but I, I didn't know that. And it, it's my, I take responsibility for not having doing the what if game and head up far enough in the head, in my head to come up with an answer for that solution. I found out later that it was possible. There was some work you had to get to, to do with our radio systems, but now it's much more intuitive to be able to communicate back and forth. So that was one of the positives that did come out of that situation. One of the things you just said, and then we'll get back to the other question, is we shoulda, coulda, wouldas. How I got better at my job was people would correct me. The old times would correct me. And I was always challenging, what could we do different? What can I do better? And when you say, I wasn't, and by the way, you were OIC. We had the same name in Baltimore. That's basically where an officer is acting as a sergeant because the sergeant's off. So they're in, they have all the responsibilities and they're in charge of the team. So 
not knowing, I understand that. But the thing about I should have, that, that borders on the whole should have, could have, would have Superman thing, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I think I, out of that, so even going back, like, okay, here I am. I remember thinking, I'm in Oregon. What, what, are, what can I do? What are my responsibilities? You know, I remember kind of rolling that through my head. How am I going to address this? How am I, you know, knowing what's up, down, left, right, you know, and a whole another environment. Um, and when I, when I walked out of there, you know, the, you know, several hours later after being interviewed and I get home and I'm replaying it and I'm thinking to myself, I, I could have basically done the what if game a little bit better. I could have been better at preparing myself for that possibility and whether it's in Oregon, another state or whatever, you know, whatever the situation was, I didn't, I didn't take my career seriously at that point. And I, and I, you know, I was, I was young, I was cocky, all that stuff. And, and it was at that point when I realized, okay, this, this is real. This is a real, I just watched a man that I had known and respected, um, die in the line of duty. I mean, I was, I was there, you know, given CPR, you know, and so I, I took that and said, okay, I, I need to, I need to be better. I need to be a, a, a professional and not just rolling through the motions. I was OIC because I was on the sergeant's list. There was an ex- expectation at some point of a promotion. And so the idea is that I was preparing myself to be in that role. And I just understood from that moment that I wasn't prepared and I needed to be, I needed to be better. And so that's what I was referring to as I, you know, it it just, it smacked me in the face that, you know, I, I wasn't taking it as serious as I should have been. And that's what propelled me once I did get promoted and get out and got into training. That's the idea that propelled me through that. We're talking with Doug Kaczynski. Doug is retired, Longview Police Department Sergeant, 24 years on the job. And part of his job was responding to the murder of Police Chief Ralph Painter in Oregon. When we return to our conversation, we're going to talk more about that, what he experienced, and how that leads to what he does today. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you get there, click like and follow. As click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return a conversation on Law Enforcement Today's show with Doug Kaczynski. He's retired Longview, Washington Police Department Sergeant, 24 years on the job. He oversaw investigations, including the murder of Police Chief Ralph Painter in Oregon across the river. And he now works for Vector Solutions, training law enforcement, firefighters, other public safety first responders. Their website is VectorSolutions.com. I try not to ask a lot of questions, Doug, because first of all, I find that really irritating. When it's people who don't understand, and even other cops that have not been through stuff, I, I don't like answering their questions. 
So one of the things that stood out in my mind is, and I'm, I'm going through your mind as you're telling a story of what the scene was like, the chaos, the confusion. We got to get the chief painter and the, the suspect is still alarmed. He's still a threat. And you saw him in the car and you all were able to uh, get him to surrender. Am I correct? We uh, actually engaged through, from outside the building, myself and a Klatskanai officer engaged from the outside into into the building through the glass and into the glass of the car that he was sitting in. So he was he was hit. Uh, actually, I actually hit him, uh, and so he went down. And it was an, it just ha- it, as the reason why we engaged was because we had a team of officers moving in. The problem, again, was that we weren't communicating because we couldn't. Right. Um, so that's why we engaged. We couldn't yell or scream or whatever to let them know we could see the subject still in the car, still armed. They could not. But once he was hit and down, the team was moving in, and they were able to take him into custody uh, as they were moving in. When gunfire comes into play, Things really change. It's 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 craziness already. It's insanity already. It's uh, adrenaline dumped to the extreme already. But when you throw in gunplay and gunfire and and, and gunfights, it changes the whole scenario. Did at least it did for me. Was that the case for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when he's engaging with us, so he had fired. Um, I never knew that I could get myself so small. I'm a big guy. I'm 6'1", 275 pounds, 280 pounds. And I got behind that tire like it was like my life depended on it because it, it did, right? And then when we engaged back, you know, all those things that they talk about, the auditory exclusion, the focus, the hyper-focus of uh, tunnel vision that you're looking directly at threat, you're not seeing everything else, right? All the other things that go on with it, uh, all those things happened, and it, it's like, and then, you, and then the after effect, right? All the sort of flashbacks and replaying things over and over again. You know, I experienced all those things, and so it really brought home the message that, you know, all that my training had brought to me up to that point had brought home the message that this is, this is what you're going to experience. This is what it's like. And it's certainly to achieve, you know, experience. That's the experience that I had. I have not been able to find a way to adequately describe to people just the auditory exclusion part of it. And almost as if things would slow down and become hyper-focused on, the threat and, and nothing else. And the only thing I can explain it is one of the incidents I was involved in, I had another partner in the car. His name was Jim, and he was yelling at me not to get out of the car. He said at the top of his lungs, I didn't hear it. It's almost as if it was like a TV on in another room. You can hear it. You're aware of it. You're aware of the, the what they're saying, but you don't understand it. I was so focused on the shooter, I had no idea what he was saying. Absolutely. And and then even when the shooting does occur, you know, and this was before, you know, we all had silencers on our rifles and all that stuff. Right? And so uh, when that incurs, so I'm standing right next to an, another officer with an AR-15 and he's engaging while I'm engaging. And all you hear is pop, 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 pop. You know, it's just a, like a very dull because your brain is spending all its energy to focus on what it needs to focus, which is keeping you alive by watching the threat, right? And so I 
barely recognized or was aware of, you know, my partner who was right next to me and he's diving down. I didn't even see that. Right. And all I can barely hear is just like, you know, popcorn crunching is basically the sound, uh, popcorn popping. Right. And so, uh, that's exactly what I experienced. And it's hard for people to understand that until you've been in there and realize how many rounds you shoot. I have no idea. That's the thing. Who, who, yeah. was, who was left of you? Who was left and right of you? I'm not really sure. I think it was this person, right? Because your, your brain's sole mission at that point is to keep you alive. And it does that by watching whatever that threat is in front of you. And that's exactly what I did. And before, I police before the advent of body cameras, and I hear people all the time say this, the officer, when the question didn't know how many shots he fired, he thought he shot, fired three, and the body cam showed he fired seven. And I go, I'm not amazed, I'm not surprised, because quite often, I had no idea until someone presented me the facts. Uh, but there's an automatic assumption that someone is lying that someone's trying to cover up something uh, or, or whatever so the fact that you didn't recall the time i i'm not surprised whatsoever oh absolutely and same with field of view right with the the field of view of a camera lens is not necessarily the field of view that i'm looking at right and again it comes down to your brain is going to spend all its energy trying to keep you alive it's not going to spend energy on trying to remember how many rounds you fired or trying to remember what color his shirt was or trying to remember, you know, A, B, or C, or D, right? It's trying to give you the energy to focus on what you need to focus on. And it's going to put all its energy right on that hyper-focus, right on that spot. And it's going to filter out the stuff that it says it doesn't need. Now, whereas the camera isn't going to do that, right? It's going to capture all this other stuff. But if it's off to the right or left of what I am perceiving as that major threat, you know, I'm not going to see it. And you're absolutely right. Just, you know, that's the, that's the trap sometimes we fall into with camera. Now, I'm a pro camera guy. I think all in all, you know, there's a lot of benefits, but there needs to be education to understand it. Just because the, the camera caught it doesn't mean I caught it, right? Because right? my brain's going to filter out what it thinks is the most important thing. Uh, I would not go policing nowadays without a body camera. And I was not a big fan of them to begin with. And the main reason why has nothing to do with this. It's because of all the false complaints. Drug dealers would mm-hmm. always complain, he was discourteous. And if you have immediate evidence right there, that's not true. But the problem is, Doug, convincing people that the video is not edited, it's not been doctored, whatever it might be. Even though the facts are right there, they still want to go to the worst. So uh, I was saying, I don't argue with idiots because they'll just beat me with years of experience. That, that's it. Uh, I think it's Mark Twain said something along those lines. Here's another point that really jumped out at me. You started doing CPR on Chief Painter, and are you able to talk about that? If not, just say, I can't talk about it. I would just say that I was one of the two officers that were there to do CPR and trying everything we can or everything we could to, uh, you know, get him to a higher level of care. You know, in hindsight, you know, it it probably wasn't going to make a difference, but I just remember being hyper-focused on, I just got to get him to a higher level of care. Just get him to the, just get him to the helicopter, get him to the next step. Right. Um, And so, yeah, that, that's, basically what i can say about that that's a tough one that's that's a really really tough one uh, i wrote an article uh, you can find it at letradio.com in the blogs and it says as a police i lied many times 
and it's not what you think. It's not about corruption. It's not about covering up. It was lying to people that were taking their last breaths. And the last thing that a lot of people in Baltimore saw, and I'm sure in your jurisdiction as well, was the face of a local police officer Tell him, hang in there. Help's on the way. You're going to make it. You're going to pull through. Whatever it is, you try to instill some sort of hope in them. And it's almost, well, in the beginning for me, it was very frantic. And towards the end, I hate to say this, it was almost as I was going through the motions. But all those deaths took a toll. And I'm sure the death of Chief Painter really affected you tremendously. We're talking with Doug Kaczynski, retired Longview Police Department Sergeant, 24 years on the job. He now works for Vector Solutions. When we return, we're going to talk about lessons learned, getting better at his job, and how it applies to what he does today. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I got a deal for you. No, I'm not trying to sell you a bridge or swampland. Enter contests for your chance to win great prizes by subscribing to the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign up area. That's letradioshow.com. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. See you there. This is John J. Wiley in the Law Enforcement Today Show. Return our conversation with Doug Kaczynski. He is a retired Longview Police Department sergeant, 24 years on a job, overseeing complex investigations, including the murder of Police Chief Ralph Painter in the nearby jurisdiction in Oregon. He now works for Vector Solutions Training Law Enforcement Officers, Firefighters, other public safety first responders. Their website is VectorSolutions.com. One of the things you said way earlier in the conversation, Doug, many times, actually, that really struck a bell with me is this is what made me decide to get better. I wasn't serious or I thought I was serious and I needed to up my game and get better at what I did. And I'll just tell you this. It was losing routine cases in front of public defenders in district court that really educated me about how I need to get more serious. And I'll boil it down to this. I didn't want to be the guy who ruined a, a murder case by writing a, a horrible report or by making a stupid mistake. I didn't want to be that guy. They really challenged me and they made me raise my game. And I did that all the way through my career. This incident really provoked you to say, I need to get better at what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it told me I need to be a professional, right? Because before, again, I don't know, just probably like many other young officers, you know, I was I was young, I was cocky, nothing, you know, I got this, I get it, I don't need to read, you know, articles, I don't need to listen to, uh, you know, the, the what's the training that's coming down, I, you know, zone out at briefing training, sergeants given some, you know, knowledge and experience. And I'm kind of filtering it out. I'm coking and joking, all that stuff, right? Right. And and I, and I and it served me well, you know, to a certain point. But it was after that when I realized, no, especially again, I was OIC. I was preparing to be a sergeant. It made me realize that okay, I was in charge of everyone on that team, and. I experienced massive deadly hesitation, right?
right? Because I was like, what can I do? Where am I? What's going on? I, I was so, it was a very chaotic time. And I just, from that moment, I realized I, I can't, we can't be a, 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 an effective sergeant, effective leader, right? If I'm always doing that, right? And, and I'm not going to be an effective police officer, a professional police officer. And that's what it told me. I needed to be better. I needed to learn, be a professional in my profession. I need to be an expert, do whatever I could to educate myself. And so that's that was the turning point for me. I needed to be better with training. I needed to look for different ways of learning. I needed to look for how to improve myself. But then I did get promoted ultimately later that year, and now I realized I had a whole a whole shift that I was responsible for, and I tried to do what I could to instill that, how important it was to take it serious, be a professional. Ultimately, I was you know granted an amazing opportunity. I was the training sergeant for six years, and that really, I did not want my officers to, as much as I was in within my power, to be in that situation again where they were or in that deadly hesitation that can I do this? What's going on? Having their brain, you know, f- focusing on what am I going to get in trouble? What's the law rather than what it needed to be focused on. And that really became a, a focal point for me and for my team in the training was to give them the tools and then to try and press upon them how important it is to because when the moment you know arrives, the time for training is passed, right? And so we need to do whatever we can to preload to understand what how we're going to respond to certain things before it actually happens. Right. And that's what I learned from. That's what I took away, and that's what I that's what I really became passionate about training, and not just training classroom training or check the box training, but actual you know, immersive training, trying to train the brain. Uh, that's when I really became passionate about that. There's I didn't two, want the same thing to happen to my officers. No, there's two incidents that we could, we could talk about many, many more, but we don't have enough time. There's two incidents that really jump out of my mind. We train for the incidents we hope never will come. And there's other things we train for it too as well, like how to handle people's problems, how to solve their, their problems. And uh, I'm not diminishing that, but two incidents that really changed the way police handle a lot of things. Number one is the North Hollywood Bank shootout. Uh, that was mm-hmm. one. And people all the time say, well, the militarization of police, I don't like it. They don't need to have patrol rifles. They don't need to have ARs. They don't need to have those tank type, and I'm air quoting, tank type things. Well, yeah, North Hollywood shootout will show you that they did. Uh, the other one would have been the Miami FBI shootout where agents actually i believe one was killed was emptying brass in in a gunfight into his hand which is what we did with all revolvers at the range because you train that way all the time and it becomes second nature so the training is so crucial but it's always with the hope that we never ever need it right and and even now you know the training of the decision making right not not so much the rote you know repetition like you're talking about the brass in the hand because that's they didn't want to pick up the brass after you know that just became ingrained but now trying to trying 
give the the brain that experience. We're trying to preload. Hey, this is what's you know. Here's a scenario. We give you the guardrails, right? We give you the general guidelines. We're not going to tell you how to do it, right? Because everyone's going to be a little bit different. But now you've gone through this scenario. We've given you some some avenues, some options, some things to think about. Now, when you go out there in the road, your brain's going to remember that. It's going to recognize. It's going to go through that little rolodex and go, Oh, I've been here before. This is what I did. This is what I learned. Right. This is how I can adjust. And I wish I had. I wish I had understood that earlier. But once I did. That's really what we focused on. We really implemented a lot of just that reality-based, scenario-based. And there's a lot of cool stuff out there, you know, technology-wise. You don't need all that stuff to just to do a quick little role play. We're just trying to do with this little decision-makers. I mean, that even that itself can help tremendously in just coming up with a decision, right? Coming up with a decision and running with it. That's really what the focus is. So you saw the need after this incident and others in your career to really up your game training-wise, and you became eventually the training sergeant. How important, and as a sergeant, I already know the answer to this question, we want our cops, and I say the term with utmost compliment, to do the best job possible for people, but we also want to make sure they're taken care of as well, that they're healthy, they're happy, all those sorts of things. How important as a sergeant was it for you knowing that they were prepared to do their job and take care of the citizens as they needed. I mean, that's why we're there, right? That, as a sergeant, I, we were talking earlier, that, you know, patrol sergeant is the greatest job in law enforcement, in my opinion, right? I loved being a sergeant, and I loved it because I, my job, I viewed my job as to make sure that you, officer or deputy trooper, has the tools and the abilities to do your job, right? It, the most effective and efficient and safe as possible. And I, I loved, you know, just challenging officers and, and throwing out, we would we'd do these little tabletop exercises and just these questions and just, you know, not, not to be demeaning or not to just break you down or anything, but to, to build you up. And that, that's why we're there, right? It's, yeah, and of course, to protect the department and, and the city and all that stuff. But if you do the right things for your officers and you give them the right tools and you give them the right abilities and, and opportunities to make quality decisions, the rest of that stuff's going to take care of itself, right? The liability and all that stuff is going to take care of itself, right? If I focus on preventing the nasty incident from happening in the first place, all that other stuff's going to take care of itself. And that's really what I focused on was getting my officers to train and prepare and then retain them, you know, when it comes down to officer wellness and making sure they're, you know, they're taken care of. So they're going to stay with us. They feel like they're welcome. They feel like they're taken care of. They feel like their sergeant, you know, gives a that is that, that he or she is there for them. That's what they want. And that's really what I tried to focus on. How much of this carries over to what you do with Vector Solutions? I mean, that, that's why we exist, right? We, When I left the law enforcement, I was given an opportunity because I had developed a relationship with Vector Solutions as a training sergeant. We had, we had partnered with them in technology piece. I could see the benefit, right? I could, as a training sergeant on the other end, I saw the benefit that I could using technology to help supplement what we were doing in our department, right? 
opportunity came along I, you know, to retire and, and come to Vector. And now I love it because now I get to work with police departments and sheriff's offices and from the, around the whole country and get exposure to how different states are training different ways and how we as a technology company can support them, right? To help them be safer, smarter, better, to do whatever it is to, again, to be, to train them, to prepare them, to retain them, whatever it is, you know, to, you know, help them do the job better. And, and the website so that's is why it's a Vector, real privilege. It's VectorSolutions.com. Doug, thanks so much for your service and thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. I'm very excited. Thank you very much for the opportunity and talk to you soon. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Thank you.